We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? My oh my, we have a lot to discuss for free agency trades and, and it's happening soon. Yeah, I mean, it happened quick. Luckily, we've been prepping for a while already since pretty much the Nets postseason ended. We dropped a ton of trade pods, but this is specifically going to be free agency offseason preview. We're going to talk about a couple different things from the salary cap, the free agent targets, to trade targets, to who the Nets have up in terms of upcoming free agents. But before we get started, Jack, as always, you guys can find us on all streaming platforms, as well as otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, I guess let's kick things off with the salary cap situation. And obviously, the Nets are projected over the cap before they even retain Joe Harris. Uh, the only type of avenue they're going to have to obtain free agents is going to be either the taxpayer MLE, which is around $5.7 million, or veteran minimums. And just as a little note, the first round pick, the number 19 pick, has a $2.6 million cap hold. So, yeah, a little bit above the minimum, but then... There's also, like, if it was Carmelo Anthony on the minimum compared to the pick 19, it would basically be about the same thing. The good thing for that is the the minimum, I believe, still only counts as a minimum on your salary cap, but the ah. player still gets the money. So that's okay. why it's like you don't have to – like, you're having a vet minimum. It counts as a vet minimum, you know, regardless oh, okay. of how many it is. Because certain guys, like you said, are going to pay get paid more money. Yeah, good to know, good to know. Um, in terms of their payroll, $132 million – without the Joe Harris deal happening, which we expect to happen, and we'll chat about it in a little bit. Now, the finagling there is obviously 
despite the fact that there's probably not a lot of wiggle room. Um, I have got a ridiculous amount of free agent targets that we'll chat about later in the pod. But it's not an ideal salary cap situation to be in. And it's basically why we saw we why we possibly could have saw the Garrett Temple news, which we've which we've discussed a little bit. Now, do you think this was the salary cap move, Nick? The fact that the Nets are in the tax already, and maybe one avenue I don't think we did discuss in relation to the salary cap and Garrett Temple is that maybe the Nets choose to renounce the the team option, but also re-sign him for a, a shorter deal. Um, a, a less money deal on a sh- but for longer if that makes any sense yeah i mean they could sign him to a veteran minimum deal i don't think they'd want to use the taxpayer mle on him and that 132 million dollars does not include his team option it also doesn't include some of the non-guaranteed contracts and then with uh, obviously you'll have cap holds out there too so the nets really i believe are probably going to be over the luxury tax uh, apron so that's why they can't really do any sign and trades. They're they're pretty much screwed. So like you said, Jack, we have a ton of free agents to talk about, but they only really have one avenue to attain them, either being the taxpayer MLE or veteran minimums, which isn't terrible considering the Nets have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the roster. It's a little bit easier than years past to attract some of those big names that are coming at a cheap price. Yeah, I mean, you've got two superstars on your roster. You've got the likes that you've got. You've got basically a nucleus of a rotation already. Yeah. And we've said before on other pods, but during trade pods, during news pods, that if all the Nets do is add a guy at the MLA, at the taxpayer MLE and add some vet minimum guys that we'll we, we, we'll chat a little bit later in the pod about, they're still going to be okay. They're yeah. not going to. They're still going to be a championship contender. Obviously, it would be great to get a James Harden or a Drew Holiday, whoever else it is that we'll chat about. But again, the key is, and I guess we can lead on to to the the Nets free agents, Nick. Kevin O'Connor did report that he expected that Joe Harris will remain with the team rather than go elsewhere in free agency. Uh, is this a surprise to you, or did you sort of yeah, expect it? Huge to come surprise. Out? I mean, I'm just shocked. Didn't expect <laughs> to retain Joe Harris. No. I mean, obviously, we knew this was going to happen. I think almost everybody in the NBA knew it was going to happen because we just talked about the salary cap. It's pretty bad for the Nets. They need to retain the players they have. They have Joe Harris's bird rights. They can offer him plenty of money so they can keep him. So this is a no-brainer right here. Even if the Nets didn't want Joe Harris on the roster, they couldn't let him go because he's still an asset for them in terms of a trade if they wanted to move him down the line, which they wouldn't because he's such a great fit with the pieces they have it's uh, i mean there was there's not a lot of good news in the world nick <laughs> right now but sometimes yeah guys like kevin o'connor of the ringer and they tweet out this sort of stuff they recount it on a podcast and it just puts a smile to your face and those smiles are few and far between but this smile was probably bigger than any that i've had since maybe i don't know 28 since joe harris came to the team since the the clean sweep happened um, now we expected it. Joe Harris has obviously alluded to it, you know, in while he was in the bubble being asked about it, he was speaking to like his college alumni and other reporters. He's like, you know, I, I love the Brooklyn Nets. They have transformed him into being one of the best three point shooters in the league. One you of know, the best in, role players in the league. One of the best role players in the league that the likes of the teams that do have cap space, you know, if they if they if Joe Harris didn't love Brooklyn as much as it is, he'd be getting paid by the likes of the Atlanta Hawks or the Detroit Pistons, even the New York Knicks. They could use a freaking shooter. They don't. Who's going to shoot the three pointers for them? Julius Randle and Bobby Portis. Got to throw some Nick shade on uh, on a Nets pod. Why not? But in saying that, it is awesome news. The number, Nick. What number do you expect Joe Harris to sign for? What do you expect the length of the deal to be? Uh, you give me a range. You don't have to give me like an exact number. Is it going to increase or is it going to decline? 
Um, what's Sean Marks going to be doing behind the scenes? Yeah, I think this is something we've talked about for a while. It's funny how the numbers have changed so much from pre-COVID to post-COVID. Well, not even post-COVID, I guess mid-COVID. Like, yeah, <laughs> pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, especially over here, it's still terrible. So, I mean, I think we're looking more, we're probably looking like closer to the teens. Now I think you could have Joe probably somewhere between 12 and 15. Like, I think that's a likely range because there are teams with cap space. Like you said, you know, you got the Knicks, you got the Hawks, you got the Hornets, you got the Suns, but I don't think they're really interested in Joe Harris, Detroit Pistons as well. But Joe strikes me as a guy that wants to probably be in a winning situation. He's pretty much, you know, obviously he was early on with the Nets worked up to this point, already been in that rebuilding stage. He wants to kind of take advantage of playing with Kyrie and KD. So I think Joe back, I guess, for Joe's sake, I feel like Joe wants to sign a two-year deal because, okay. because he would have the opportunity to go back into free agency and cash out one more time, given that this isn't necessarily the best climate for him. And that would line him up with Katie and Kyrie, too, in terms of two more years. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think a two-year deal is what Joe wants. The Nets probably want to retain him longer. They probably were looking for three I don't know if they're looking for four, but three or four possibly. But I feel like if I was Joe Harris, I'd be looking for a two-year deal. That way I can get another contract when the when the market's a little bit better and there'll be more teams out there looking to retain me. And I don't think Joe Harris is going to get worse. I don't think he's going to necessarily get much better, but the skill set he has is always valuable. Yeah, I mean, by that point, we would like to think that the revenue would be back to normal. Fans are back in stands. And, you know, that 40% that affects all teams is also affecting the paychecks of the guys like Joe Harrison. You know, he's 29 years old right now. You know, I, I'm now no longer the same age as Joe Harris, which does hurt me. I'm 30. <laughs> but it's still, uh, we're still damn close. So, and, and like you mentioned, Nick, Two years, he's going to be 31. You know, you look at the likes of J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver in their late 30s, Joe Harris is going to be doing the same thing. He is going to be maintaining his peak. Shooters and, and, and some big guys generally do peak later. And Joe Harris peaked 27, 28. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's the longevity of, of your peak as a shooter because you don't have the wear and tear and you don't have it to drive into guys and, and, and create and, and, and there's such a brunt of load uh, on your back. I think Joe Harris is going to have a... You know, the two-year deal, it does fascinate me as well because we look at what Torian Prince has signed for, the length of his deal, Spencer Dimwitty, Karis LeVert, no longer than three years there. Karis LeVert, three years, $52 million. Joe Harris, I, I, I could see anywhere from two years, 30, to two years, 25. You know, we got him for 216 on the last deal, which is now obviously coming up. Uh, I, I think that the Nets... Or a two-year deal with a player option actually even makes probably more sense. Possibly, yeah, definitely. You know, give him that freedom to to explore the, the market as, as he sees fit. Or as well, he might want stability. He might yeah. want that sort of money and go, look, if you guys give me... 450 I'm staying you know yeah. that's a life-changing money you know he's already any millions of dollars is life-changing money for anyone but the sort of when you get into the teens and the tens of millions of dollars that's when it gets you know pretty damn big and you know Carlos Alberto's got that life-changing money Torian Prince has Spencer Dimity to an extent has so it's gonna be interesting to see we know he's staying now at least it seems to be unless if Kevin o if this news isn't true um I will find a way in a COVID world to fly over to wherever Kevin O'Connor is living um and do some very mean things uh just watch yourself KOC but and talking Torian Prince real quick Torian Prince is making 12.2 this year and 13 next year if I'm Joe Harris I'm telling the Nets I want more money than Torian Prince 
Yeah, and I mean, he's not going to get more than Karis Avert. We don't expect yep. that to happen. But that's and fair, and I think Joe would understand that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to probably make more than Karis, but I want to make more than Torian. Give me something in between in that range. And I think, like, 13-something for Joe, like, let's say 13-5. I don't yeah. hate that number. It's maybe yeah. a little favorable to him in, in terms of this climate. But, like we said, there are going to be other teams. All the contending teams that are talking about trying to acquire Joe, they essentially have no chance because all they can offer is the mid-level exemption, which is around that $9 million to $10 million range. So the Nets are in a pretty good spot as long as Joe just doesn't want to cash out and go to a bad team. Because if he wants to do that, they might offer him a, a, an amount the Nets just can't match. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the other uh, massive, awesome shooter on this market, Dallas Bertans is going to be getting a lot of money. And Joe Harris deserves a, a similar amount. Now, you know, we've, talk, we've talked about it on the OTG free agency series on OTG Basketball's YouTube that, you know, there's, there's similarities but differences, obviously, with their size and stuff. But Joe Harris, if he was on the open market, Nick, would get 460. You know, the, I, I think that that isn't... Out, that, that's probably the, the peak. I think in a, a regular year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just saying in terms of like how yeah. everything is and nobody cool. has cap space. Like if we're talking 2021, 20, like Joe Harris definitely could get four over 60. He might get more. Somebody might yeah. miss out on their guy and be like, or Joe strikes me as a guy that maybe a team wouldn't necessarily want to commit long-term big money to, but he could get one of these balloon contracts like we saw JJ Reddick. Yep. Yeah. That one yep. year 20 mil, like yep. that's something you do with a shooter, especially if you're a bad team and you just have cap space to kind of spend. That'd be something like a Hawks would do down the line. I don't think they're going to do it this year, though. If you're Joe Harris, Nick, obviously, man, it, it warms my heart because we're chatting about Joe Harris for like eight minutes or something here. <laughs> it's awesome. If you're Joe Harris, what are your priorities personally? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on his mindset and his belief. Like if, like you said, there's two mindsets. There's get the yep. two-year deal, get the player option, and then you can cash out one more time. Or it's like, hey, I'm I'm happy. I don't need that extra contract because I could probably still get one at what would he be 33 at the end of a four-year deal. So I could yep. still get another contract. Probably wouldn't be as pretty, but it'd still be something. So, I mean, it just kind of really depends on his mindset. If it was me personally, and Joe has to have some confidence in himself to get to this point that he's at. I'd sign the two-year deal with the player option give myself that opportunity at one more big payday because even the payday I'm going to get for the two-year deal is probably going to be life-changing money anyways because it's going to be over $20 million. You know what I mean? It's probably going to be closer to over $25 million even if it's on a two-year deal. Absolutely. And he deserves every single cent of it. He's the the story of a, of a guy who was a castaway from the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, he got a chip there. I, I don't I don't think many people remember. Did you he ever hear there. the story about Joe Harris too? Uh, he I want to say he broke his ankle. He got traded to the Magic, and when he got the call, it was like during surgery, and the Magic didn't even keep him on the roster, and they cut him, and then he became a free agent. And that's how he ended up on Brooklyn. Yeah. So he got terrible news mid-surgery. Like, what? That just seems so wrong. Oh, man. It's like, you know, us calling Corey Waldron during his hernia and and telling (laughs) him about Victor Oladipo's news. (laughs) (laughs) But um, (laughs) I I will move on. Uh, You know, I I agree with you, Nick. You know, there's – I think you bring up a really good point about the comparison with JJ Redick in terms of just the the short-term big money deals. And as a shooter – and in the current climate of, you know, how you, can you maximize the amount of money that you can get for yourself? You know, there's, it's not like Joe Harris is going to lose value as a, but as well, you know, does he want Injuries the sort of do stability? happen. Injuries do happen and stability does matter. And JJ Redick as a vet has made money over his entire career. 
this is the first big contract that Joe Harris is going to be making. Now, two years, $16 million is not, is not Chump's change, yeah. but it is going to be Chump's change in comparison to what he does get and what he does deserve to get from the Brooklyn Nets going forward. So I, I might have actually, you know, advocate and lean a little bit towards, you know, three-year deal, two years with a player option or whatever. Maybe he does choose to align with Kyrie and KD. I think he's probably a, a little bit more about, about like, you know what? Get me some good money. Give me some flexibility in, in how I can control my own playing and, and econ- economic future. Yeah. All right, Jack, let's move on to some other free agents. I know we could talk about Joe Harris for an hour. He'd be pretty happy about yes. it. All right, fine. We can do that when he officially resigns, okay? Okay, Just, yeah. You have my word. Uh, but Wilson Chandler, this is a guy, obviously, Nets free agent, missed the first 20 games with a suspension and reports have come out that he is signing in China. I believe there is some type of opt out for him to get out of that contract. If he wanted to sign later in the year or something along those lines or in terms of like the buyout market time. So something to keep in mind, but it does not look like he'll be back with Brooklyn. Uh, I, I mean, I, I could see him coming back in like a Lance Thomas sort of you know, mold in terms of the, he's got the embedded relationship with the Brooklyn Nets. Sean Marks know what he is, what he does. Um, clearly contributed to the Brooklyn Nets this season in, in the capacity that he did, was starting for them uh, at different points in time and did contribute. But at 33 years old and, you know, wanting to, as I sort of alluded to, in, in today's day and age, maximize the, ma- the maximum amount of money you can get. You know, there's more stability in the China League for him right now internationally. And it also does give him, like we're alluding to with Joe Harris, the flexibility to come back. Uh, and he, he might even have a clause in that contract um, with the CBA, China, uh, CBA, I think it is, China Basketball Association, to come back to the NBA and contribute in, in whatever vein or form. He might you know, he might be working at least three-point shot right now and, and be the best three-point shooter in the CBA. And then that's like, all right, we've got to get him back by the trade deadline or whatever it is. Yeah, and he's a guy who's previously played in the CBA. So, yep. you know, obviously he's looking there to get some extra money and then possibly making the NBA return. You know, there's a chance he could end up back in Brooklyn at some point. I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't call it likely at this point, though, either. But moving on to Tyler Johnson. Obviously, he had the bubble stint with the Nets, wasn't with them during the, the normal regular season. What are you thinking about him in terms of returning to the team? Is it a possibility? What are the percentages looking like? I've heard other people sort of say that Tyler Johnson would be great on this other team. You know, the Atlanta Hawks is a second ball handler, these sort of guys. Now, we saw him reestablish himself as an NBA player in the bubble. And in a big way, you know, I I think it goes under the radar. And and some people might forget whether it's Nets fans or other fans. Good. He was shooting the ball well. He was showing energy. He didn't. He lost maybe a slight step athletically, but he still looked like a damn good athlete. And he's still only 28 years old. You know, yeah. he's not over the hill. It's not like he's 33, 34. He's still got a couple of years left in him. And I still think he can contribute to an NBA rotation. I've, uh, you know, I think I tweeted, basically every game that Tyler Johnson uh, produced for the Brooklyn Nets in Orlando, I was like, the Nets got to retain Tyler Johnson. Um, my mind hasn't changed about that. You know, if we're looking at, you know, guys that we'll speak about as well, you know, Chioza, Martin, Jamal Crawford... There's different value that those guys have. But Tyler Johnson has proved he contributed. And I could see him pinch hitting in the playoffs, pinch hitting, you know, as a, you know, if there were injuries throughout the season to, to Kyrie or resting to Spencer Dinwiddie and stuff, which I think is going to matter in this condensed season. Tyler Johnson's a good guy to have on the roster. Yeah, I mean, he already got some of the reps with the team. Obviously, it wasn't necessarily a super long stint, but he proved to be, 
you know, a mediocre bench player. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say that in a mean way, but that's something that does carry some value in the NBA, especially when you don't necessarily have options like we talked about with the cap space. You're going to have to sign some veteran minimum guys. And if you make a trade, like if you try to make an upgrade for Drew Holiday, you're opening up roster spots. And maybe that means losing Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie somewhere. And you need to have that other guard. You know, I think going to next season, we we assume that they'll either have Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert. And they'll probably lead the second unit. It's more so who can be that third guard in case there is an injury or can play as that secondary ball handler with a second unit. And Tyler Johnson's a guy where I don't think he's going to excite anybody. I think it's, you know, a solid move. If there was nothing else on the table and that was one of the options, that's who you ended up with as your third guard. Like, I think you'd probably prefer Tyler Johnson over Chris Chioza because I don't think you can really have much confidence in Chioza really playing playoff minutes in the next two seasons at all. And, like, I'm not saying I want Tyler Johnson to play playoff minutes, but if he had to play five minutes on the floor, I don't feel like the Nets would die. No, and and I think depth matters now more than yep. ever. Like, I think depth is going to be tested, you know, whether a guy is injured or whether a guy gets COVID. It is going to happen. You know, half of the Brooklyn Nets team did get it. So, and it's not like it's gone away. The cases are higher uh, higher than ever in America. It is, it, it is a shocking state of events. Now, you know, vaccine, blah, 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 is in the works of it. But just looking at it, NBA players are going to get COVID. And, whether the roster mechanisms uh, mechanisms change in terms of being allowing extra two-way guys on the mm-hmm. roster or, or an extended sort of depth there, you know, Tyler Johnson is a player that will matter for some NBA team. And I think that that team could be the Brooklyn Nets. It kind of reminds me of like what's happening in the NFL. The NBA obviously is going to yeah. have the same thing. We're like, there's a ton of guys getting COVID. So you're seeing a lot of veteran players signed to, you know, practice squads or in like signing on the game, the day of the game and stuff like that, which could be a possibility in the NBA. Like you're going to have guys you want to call. So even if the Nets don't retain Tyler Johnson, he could be somebody they call if they run into one of these issues where, hey, you know, we don't want it to happen. Knock on wood. We just had five players test positive for COVID. We need some bodies for tonight. Absolutely. And and obviously 15 players compared to 50, whatever it is in the NFL. Yep. You know, it, it's an incredibly different set of events, and we hope and and pray that the NBA is continuing to to look behind the scenes about keeping uh, the the players and 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 the welfare of them and and all the staff as the priority going forward. But Nick, are there other names that you wanted to chat about? I think Jamal Crawford is the name that probably is the one that matters. You know, Justin Anderson, Chris Jones, Jeremiah Martin. Uh, I think Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley are two names that we can chat about because I think that there is at least some likelihood that one or both of them could be on the Brooklyn Nets because we've seen Kevin Durant's wishes, uh, at least behind the scenes, it's just like, you know, royal the Royal Ivy signing that happened during the week. You know, clear, we've brought up those rumors in the past. You know, he also has an established relationship with Sergio Barker as well. I think that there are a lot of things being done now, whether Kevin Durant is having this say or Sean Marks just knows that Kevin Durant you know, lacks Royal Ivy. He just likes trying to make him match. happy, essentially. And make him happy, even though he's not necessarily going, hey, KD, Beasley or no? And it's just like, nah, we, we already had him for a little bit, man. But we didn't actually have him for a little bit. You know, he contracted coronavirus as well. And um, I'm hoping behind the scenes, all the players in the NBA, including Michael Beasley, aren't feeling any after effects. And, and, and heading into the season, you know, um, the, the, the god himself, Anthony Puccio, said to our guy, Matt Brooks, that, you know, he could see Michael Beasley on this roster, you know, getting a training camp sort of startup. You know, we're talking about this sort of depth and stuff. I think Jamal Crawford is more likely 
because I think that he has the the respect, like Beasley does. But I think also the Kyrie has mentioned in the past when he was on the Boston Celtics, he's like we need this sort of vet guy in the locker room to hold us all accountable, blah blah blah, provide some leadership. Jamal Crawford provide that in spades, and at a vet minimum guy, and we'll speak about some, some different targets going forward as well um, later in the pod. But I would say Jamal Crawford. I'm not going to lock it in, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be a Brooklyn Net. Yeah, it seems very likely, and that's what I have for one of my free agent needs is having leadership, a veteran with experience, somebody to kind of connect the group. And Michael Beasley makes sense if the Nets make a trade for a Bradley Beal or James Harden and they have all these empty roster spots and they just need to fill them up with vet minimum guys. Right now, signing Michael Beasley doesn't make any sense. Like, you know what I mean? Just given that his skill set isn't a need, doesn't play great defense, you know, maybe his body type is right, but it isn't necessarily helping the net. So I agree. I think Jamal Crawford would be a guy that seems pretty likely to be back on next year's team. Michael Beasley, not so much. I think he probably would get a training camp invite, but I just don't see a reason to give him that roster spot when they're already going to be limited. And just touching on the other guys, like you said, Lance Thomas, Dante Hall, don't think those guys are going to be back. Justin Anderson. Giannis like, Stopper, Nick. Giannis Stopper. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You almost scared me a little bit. I was like, what the hell is going <laughs> uh, But uh, Justin Anderson, you know, not going to be back. I think he's a guy that has an opportunity. But Joe Harris is bestie, Nick. Come on, mate. Didn't prove enough. Chris Gioza, I give him a small shot to be back. Like okay. if there's a trade or something happens, because I think the Nets do like his playmaking, but he's just not a guy that you can really play in the postseason given his size and lack of defense. Yeah, I, look. You hit the nail on the head. There's nothing really more I need to add to that. We can go on to ranking the Nets trade assets because we've spoken about a lot from the other side of things about the Nets getting guys in. Um, and, you know, we did what is it, three, four episodes of it. Yep. Evergreen content, guys, it's still there to listen to. Superstar players, role players, you know, the rumors that are happening now are happening because of us. James Harden, we spoke about. We spoke it's about funny. If a rumor does come out about a Nets player, we probably already talked about it, which is kind of insane to say. Yes, I literally, when the James Harden thing was gaining some traction, I'm like, mm, all right, let's go to Simplecast. Let's find that episode. And cool, I'll drop the clip where we're chatting about James Harden for a, yep. uh, a minute and a half or two minutes, whatever it was. So yeah, but from the Nets side of things, the, the trade assets, Nick, you can, I've got just, I wrote down seven guys because these are guys that are probably going to be in the rotation. You can agree, disagree with me. I also got a question from Twitter that we can address as well when we're speaking about Spencer Dinwiddie because that's where we can probably get into some of the news as well. Number I one. I draft picks too. Just okay, this year cool. and next year. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll let you probably put those ones in because I just did the players. And how I ranked it was uh, as such. Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Timothy Lyle Cabarro, um, Rodion Skouritz, Nicholas Claxton, and Torian Prince. I would put Nicholas Claxton above TLC and Rodion's. I think okay. he's more enticing to a team, given that there's more flash to his game. I think TLC, in terms of a trade asset, he provides value, but he's not. he doesn't have much of a ceiling. You know what I mean? Like He's not going to turn into an all-star, turn into some above-average starter. I think we'd agree that he's probably going to be a bench player the rest of his career and maybe a fit starter at different points. Rodion's, I think there's probably a little bit of excitement because like we kind of talked about in the past, last year was such like a confusing, you know, a thing of events given everything that happened to him off the court. And then in the bubble, we saw him play really good in the scrimmages and then really terrible in the bubble and he just shows flashes. So that'd be a guy. But I think if I was trading to the Nets, I'd prefer Claxton over those two. I think I'd probably put Jared Allen above Spencer Dinwiddie too, given the contract. 
because if you know Spencer Dinwiddie is a little scary because he's essentially a one year expiring because he's a player option for next year. Where Jared Allen, yeah, his contract's expiring, but he's a restricted free agent. So you're you have a almost a guarantee to retain him if you want to. So I think from like that perspective, if you're like team building, it also kind of depends on what team you're trading with. Because if you're a, a contending team, you might value Spencer Dinwiddie a little bit more because he's currently a better player. But if you're a bad team, I would prefer Jared Allen because he's younger, more potential, and I have a cost-controlled contract moving forward where I can kind of manage it. Yeah, a couple of things uh, just hearing you speak, uh, I'll, uh, I wanted to sort of speak about. The ranking, the reason why I had TLC above it is because I'm, I was sort of like in my head, if I'm a contending team, who do I want right now in my mm-hmm. roster? And the prototype that we've come up with a lot on this podcast is the Houston Rockets. And yeah. you go, all right, do... Now, the Rooster Rockets probably do want a Nicholas Claxton to send on their roster right now. But in, in saying that, a guy, I that can, saying. a guy that can contribute immediately to winning basketball, TLC's proven it. Now, I'm not saying that what he did in Orlando is, is going to be replicable for, replicable for a 72-game season. But, yeah, that, that was just my reasoning behind yeah. it. Now, the Jared Allen thing, does it not worry, maybe not worry you, but does it not uh, make you question the fact that we heard Bobby Marks on the Zach Lowe podcast say that he was looking for, quote, Clint Capella-type money. Now, I felt like uh, that was a slip-up. And then, like, two seconds later, I feel like Winhorse said, like, you know, 12 to 14 million. So, like, I'm confused if maybe that Bobby Marks was confused about what Clint Capella's contract was or that he was talking about Clint Capella's last contract. And who... Putting that out there, who does that benefit more, the Brooklyn Nets, or does it benefit Jared Allen and his camp sort of being like, look, you don't give me this money, another team might. Now, I don't see him getting five years, $90 million, Jared Allen, from the Brooklyn Nets, maybe even elsewhere, because I don't think he's proven. Like, if you're looking at the other NBA bigs right now, what I can see him getting, and another opposing team would be like, look, this is what this center got. Yusuf Nurkic, four years, $48 million. And Yusuf Nurkic is one of the more solid, consistent, reputable starting centers in this league that can contribute winning basketball. Jared Allen does the same. Now, he will go, well, Miles Turner, four years, $68 million. Clint Capella, five years, $90 million. Now, I think it's a a timing issue. And maybe the timing for Jared Allen is bad. And maybe another team, Washington Wizards or, or wherever else, it just sucks because the position that he plays, there isn't a lot of value in it. So the first contract, you want to try and maximize and get as much as you can out of it. But because so many other teams do already have a starting center and are more willing to spend the MLE or the tax player MLE to just fill find a fill-in starting center, you know we know Jared Allen has good upside. It's about whether he's going to reach that upside and be one of the best rim protectors in the league, one of the best pick-and-roll uh, offensive players, dunkers in the league, um, and actually get a three-point shot and, and keep that consistency um, from the free-throw line. If you're paying five years, $90 million, you'd want to, to, to make sure that you're thinking of, and trying to develop him into that mold. If you're getting four years, 48, then it's just like, look, he's worth that right now. You do pay for potential on the first sort of deal, Um you know, if you're not Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and getting those maxes, max contracts straight away, bam, out of bio. It, I'm going on a tangent, but the, it was funny. Back in the day, we were comparing Bam and Jared Allen a little bit. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, I'm like, you know what? Jared Allen's got the same sort of athleticism. Now, it's not to say it didn't, weren't, didn't go well for Jared Allen. He's continued to show steady growth. It's just that Bam's one of the freaking like, 
top 20 Bam just took like one of the biggest jumps you'll see in terms of just one season to the next. And I think some of that also was just playing time and that's yeah. what hurts development. And that's what kind of hurt Jared Allen, to be honest, that's what's going to hurt his price tag if he stays with the Nets this year. And the thing that that was kind of brought up too, is like Jared Allen is a trade piece. Do they extend him beforehand and trade him with the contract or they trade him after? I think it would be a little bit more uh, difficult to trade him though with the extension because then he'd be a poison pill contract because his contract this year is only his rookie contract. And then like, it makes it more complicated for trades not to go into details of the cap. Bobby but, uh, Mast, you got the salary cap guru, Nick Fahey. But um, Jared Allen, I just think, like you said, Jack, I think a more reasonable range would be something almost similar to the Joe Harris range of like 12 to 15 million or something like that. Maybe you could convince me as high as like 17 on a shorter deal or a team option type deal. But like he just hasn't proven it yet that he's going to be that type of guy. So I feel like it wouldn't make sense for the Nets to do the extension this year in my eyes. If you are an up and coming team looking for a center, let, let's look at it from their point of view. Uh, obviously, we're looking. We look at everything from the Brooklyn Nets side of things. But, but let's look at it from a team that really, really wants Jared Allen. We need a center. We're building that. We see Jared Allen as a foundational starting five for us for the next five to ten years. What is the max money you're going to pay? Is it the Miles Turner four sixty eight? No, <laughs> I don't think it is that. Um, I mean. It's really tough to say. I feel like I wouldn't give him if I if I was like a big guy into Jared Allen and I want him to be on my team, I'd probably try to trade for him now, get a year of him, so then I can see who he is in my system and then yeah. make you know make an idea from there. So it would make me kind of a little bit more intrigued to say it. You know, Miles Turner's at that eighteen million number, eighteen million per year number. I think that'd probably be like the max that you'd want to do it. And I still don't think you'd feel comfortable because Miles Turner had a little bit more promise because of the offensive game that Jared Allen just doesn't have. You know, Jared Allen obviously has the roller. He's probably a better finisher, but there's just more excitement with Miles Turner because of that three point shot. And Miles Turner, I think I would say, yeah, Miles Turner had a better rookie season too. Like he popped off a little bit more in terms of like showcasing more skills where Jared Allen is showcasing almost more like physical characteristics than actual skills on the court, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we'll move on um, and you can sort of give me your ranking a little bit, including those draft picks, but the final word on, on Jared Allen and I guess Miles Turner. Whatever. Miles Turner was one of the two best center defenders. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. It was Jordan Bede and him. Oh, Rudy Gobert and him, sorry. And it, he was unlucky not to be an all defensive caliber player. Now, we see that potential in Jared Allen, but how much is uh, is it going to stop being potential and start being product and you're know, producing it on the floor? And, you know, the, it, it stops being, you know, despite the fact that Jared Allen still only is 22 years old, heading into his age 23 season. So crazy. And it's, a, it's crazy. I think that we forget and, and lose perspective with the fact that, like, you know, because we, we see what Bam Adebayo did, we've seen what Miles Turner is doing right now and those sort of things. Uh, it's hard because he's almost, he's almost a, a victim of comparison. You know, mm -hmm. just being able to objectively judge Jared Allen is tough because we're judging against him against other players, you know, a, a former college alum in, 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 in Miles Turner or judging him against what he can produce on a specific basis when he's in these 2020 nights. And, or even you know, in comparison to, like, the reason New Orleans not interested in him is because they think Jackson Hayes could be similar. You know what I mean? It just, like, it makes, it makes Jared Allen just a little bit less enticing. Yeah. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need and can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you with the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Yeah, you know, what's your ranking? So I had Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick Claxton, the Nets 2021 first-round pick, even though it's going to be lower, the 2021 draft I think is a lot more stacked and there's just a lot more hype around it, so teams are intrigued to grab those. Uh, Philly's first round pick from this year. And then I just had Rodion's. I didn't even get to TLC or anything further. Yep. That makes sense. And and I think that this year's pick, if you, uh, I I'm higher on it because I think that the role players in this class are good. You know, we spoke about that on the, on the draft pod with Alec. Um, but uh, I, I do agree that there is much more high end talent in, in next year's 2021 class. But I'm, I, I only know about the likes of like Kate Cunningham and, and these sort of kids. And the fact that I've heard that the top six or seven can be the number one pick in, in this year's draft yeah. because it's, it's that stacked up the top. I'm no, I have no idea. I'm not Sam Bassini or Kevin O'Connor to know about you know the depth of the first round and the guys overseas and such. But it is fair. And especially if the things weren't to work with the Brooklyn Nets and they were to only scrape into and Kevin Durant weren't, weren't to, to, to be able to put it all together and the whole oh, negativity. Was, Get out of uh, here. <laughs> look, look uh, I've been mainly positive quite a bit on the pod and um, I, I've got to maintain a sense of realism and look at it objectively and look at it from both sides that things don't work and the Nets are like a, the fifth seed or a sixth seed um, and then that pick ends up being a little bit more valuable and like you mentioned is what is in general thought of to be a, a better draft class in 2021. Yeah, and I'm basing it kind of off just reports and stuff and teams having a lot of intrigue for 2021 and a lot of teams not be willing to part with their 21 first-round pick, more so looking to 22, but Nets being one of the teams that really doesn't care as much. But getting past the trade assets, we're going to Nick, talk I wanted about- to bring to you oh, first because you had a comment um, in, from Brooklyn Nets London. Um, he says, would like to see your thoughts on Spencer's real trade value if we decide to move him on. Who's a realistic trade partner and what would they part with? Um, and he, he goes with the disclaimer, I want him to stay. I think I want him to stay as well. But he's now repping himself. He's putting him out there. He's, he's, he's probably the one leaking, to be honest, about like you know, these Western Conference teams because like, you know, he's, he's got his place in San Antonio and such. But I guess the question that we got, uh, and thank you for it, Brooklyn Nets London. Um, if we decide to move him on, what's his real trade value? Who's a realistic trade partner? What have you got? What are your thoughts, Nick? 
I mean, just talking about Spencer Dinwiddie as a player, he's a fringe all-star. You know, he's a guy that averaged 20 points last year. He can kind of carry an offense. He can do a lot of things for you. He probably could be better defensively in a lesser offensive role. He obviously can adapt to multiple things. The one thing that really hurts for Spencer is the contract, you know, essentially being an expiring contract because he has a player option for the next year, and he's going to obviously decline that because he's likely due for something in the 20s. You know what I mean? At worst, you know, the high teens. So that's that's what makes him harder to trade, and that's where it has to be. Like, Spencer's value is so much higher to a team that plans on retaining him and thinks they can retain him than a team who's unsure about it. You know what I mean? If you're not sure if you want to retain him or you're not sure that he wants to stay – then you're probably not pulling the trigger. You mentioned, you know, having the roots in San Antonio. If you're a Texas team, you probably feel a little bit more confident that he's going to stay given it's his hometown. Now maybe you're valuing him a little bit more. But I'd say the Nets could probably get, you know, another fringe all-star, maybe on a longer contract, and they have to attach a first to it. And maybe it's probably going to be a lesser player, but it's going to be somebody within that range from above average starter to fringe fringe all-star. Yeah, we've um, for the teams that are interested, we've heard that the Mavericks are interested in him. And you know, if you're looking at from their side of things, you know, you can maybe add some depth and, and defense with the likes of Dorian Finney-Smith. Maybe you ask for a Maxi Kleber. No, yeah, that's who I thought about initially. But I feel I like they love him. I do. I feel like they do. I feel, as like, well. they, I feel like they love Dory Finney-Smith too. I feel like they don't really have anything. I feel like Dallas, to be honest, is a team that's constantly in trade rumors, but essentially has nothing really to trade because they traded all their first-round picks for Porzingis. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I would kill to... Uh, I think Maxi Kleber would be such a damn good fit on the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it would be immense in terms of the... What we need is a starting foot, and we'll get to the, the needs and, and such a little bit going forward, but he literally fits the prototype perfectly there. Um, there's other teams, you know, the, I've, I've heard the Lakers. Now, unless you're given... I, that I put this out on Twitter and I made myself laugh, which is always which is always what you want to do, Nick. It's not about the other laughs, it's about making yourself laugh. The Self-care. fact that we... Exactly. The fact that we don't have Kyle Kuzma on this team is what makes me so damn happy to this day. <laughs> that filth is putting on Twitter right now. Now, he would be included in a deal with Danny Green, who I can't remember the last time he made a three-pointer that mattered, um, in, in a trade for Spencer Dewey. And it just, it makes me feel ill just thinking about it for the Lakers. Oh, God. I just, just think people are really overvaluing Danny Green. Like this to me, it just seems like a lot of people didn't watch the playoffs or watch the bubble and watch the finals. And they're like, oh, Danny Green, like this is a perfect fit. Nah, Danny Green really wasn't great defensively. Why do you think Jimmy Butler cooked the shit out of them? Jamal Murray cooked the shit out of them. A big reason Danny Green was supposed to be this defender. He's just past his prime. He just doesn't have the lateral quickness. He's a good off ball guy, good piece of your defense. He helps you do a lot of different things. But, like, for what the Nets need, he's not really filling that role. If they already had a lockdown defender on the team and somebody they could, you know, dish off as, like, a secondary type with Danny Green, that would make more sense. So I'm not a big fan of any trade with the Lakers. And it doesn't make sense to help a team that you possibly could be competing against in the finals. Obviously, that's a little bit overthinking. But I just feel like you have to be thinking, like, it's going to be the Lakers. It's probably going to be the Clippers or going to be the Warriors maybe from the west side unless there's some crazy trade. So – Imagine Spencer facing up against the Nets. You know he's going to play his <laughs> play his play out of his mind. He always does it against the Lakers as well. Yeah, like it's just it's it's the mentality of, of any sort of player in in that sort of regard. They don't have the right and, pieces. No, no, not at all. And you know there are other teams that would love to have him. You know the, the Clippers. You know you know for for a Patrick Beverly and and whatever. And I got flying for even putting that out there. And I don't think that they would make a trade with 
any Eastern Conference team, even though he would be the ideal fit, you know, next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid um, in Philadelphia. You know, I think that, as you sort of alluded to, looking at, you know, what teams are going to be versing and vying with for, for seeding, you know, it's the Sixers. They're, they're a team that's going to be in contention next season. So there, there's, there's plenty of teams. Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the perfect fits on any team in the NBA because we've sh- we've seen him show the versatility and malleability in his own role. He's like, you want me to start? You got your, your starting point guard injured? Cool, I'll step up. I can play all-star level basketball. You want me to be your sixth man? Cool, I can do that. I'll be the sixth man of the year uh, and I should have won it um, a couple of years ago. So uh, I think that for them. And like you mentioned as well, improving as a defender, good size, um, one of the best drivers in the league. His three-point shot is good, but not consistent and efficient. So uh, look, we're massive Spencer Dinwiddie fans are on this podcast. We're still waiting for the call out. The tequila is ready. This bottle that I'm holding up right now is full of tequila. This is how I get warmed up for the Brooklyn Buzz every week. Uh, it's just water. Um, That's but why the takes keep on cooking. Uh, the takes just keep on dropping on the Brooklyn Buzz and JBT wherever I get to speak on a microphone. But uh, in in saying that, uh, I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie love to have him. Was it, he might have been a, a key role in, in luring Kyrie over in the first place? But it seems to me that. As we were sort of talking about the trade assets, Carol Savert has usurped him uh, in terms of the value uh, that he provides Brooklyn and probably other teams. Yeah, I think when you look at the differences that Karras is around the same level of player Spencer is currently. Obviously, he needs to stay healthy and be more consistent, but there's also a higher chance of him taking that next step and getting to another ceiling. And obviously, he has the years on his contract, which makes things a little bit easier. To me, it almost feels like if the Nets trade Spencer Dinwiddie, to somebody, unless it's like a similar contract situation, they're probably not going to get full value because the Nets don't necessarily have the leverage in the situation given, like I said, it's a one-year deal. And teams knowing they have a ton of guards and they want to upgrade that wing slash forward or whatever you want to call it position. Should we get to some trade targets uh, from yeah. opposing teams? Yes. We've got Drew Holiday to start things off, a name we've never spoken about on the Brooklyn yeah, Buzz or any other podcast. hundred times this summer. <laughs> Let's make it 101. Um, I've got a couple of things to throw at you, Nick. On the uh, mock offseason on Dunked On, the trade for Drew Holiday went as such. Carol Severt, Torian Prince, Jeanne Moussa, and this year's uh, 19th pick for Drew Holiday. That's what was mocked. That's what got done. Had it, would you do that if you're Sean Marks? So you said Carol Severt, Torian Prince, Jeanne Moussa, and this year's pick? Correct. So no Jared Allen, no Spencer Dinwiddie? Correct. Ah, he's thinking about it. He's thinking. I mean, I feel like it's still something that you think about and you possibly do. But like, I feel like my thought on Drew Holiday hasn't necessarily changed. Where I'm not sure if I want to trade Karis for Drew, not because I don't believe in the trade. I just I'm not sure I want to hand in my assets yet. Because if James Harden does pop on the venue, uh, you know, pop on the list, you know, later in the year, even at the trade deadline you can make that deal. If you have Drew Holiday, it's a lot harder to make that deal because like we've said, Karras is your best trade asset. So it's like we've talked about pretty much for the last month. Do you think Drew Holiday guarantees you to be that championship level team? Do you maybe have an agreement already with Serge Ibaka in the works? You know what I mean? And then you can make even another move on the roster to upgrade somewhere else. It's like Drew Holiday, I understand it. If you can get him without Karis LeVert, it's a guarantee. You pull the trigger. If it's Spencer Dewey and Jared Allen, that's fine, even if it's including a third or fourth team, or maybe you have to give up more draft picks than you want. If you can keep Karis and add Drew, that's ideal. But if you have to trade Karis, you have to feel confident that this is the team that you're probably going to have going to the season and going to have the rest of the year as like your core group, which 
you can make an argument that team is good enough to be the best in the NBA. You're still talking about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Drew Holiday, Spencer Dinwiddie, and now you have a nice center rotation of Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. You still have the issue at forward, which you could still possibly solve with a trade maybe of Jared Allen, but now you're also out of tradable contracts too. So it definitely is kind of like a cash out. It's like, all right, do you want to keep gambling or do you want – you have a sure bet you're going to be over. You're going to – you know, you won for the night, but you could possibly win more down the line or you could get nothing. Yeah, that goes to the thoughts of Nets fan from India. Uh, he said this. And also, with so many teams interested in Drew Holiday, do you want us to join the bidding war for him? Uh, in brackets, I don't. And lose Levert or keep the court together, see if a high-level player, Harden or Beal, will be available near the trade deadline and trade them uh, or improve uh, to uh, according to needs. Now, he's basically echoed the thoughts that you said there. Um, I, I agree with it too. You, know, you, you want to make maybe a, a little bit of a cheeky bet on the side, but you're not going all in yet because... Yeah. You know, James Harden is a guy we'll take, chat a little bit later on the pod and who I had some thoughts about and got flamed with uh, early in the week on Twitter. But in, in relation know, to... that was kind of like... I was like, God damn, it wasn't that crazy of a take. I think you forgot one word. If you said the best... To win a championship or whatever. I was like, who cares? Like, it's Twitter. The best offensive big three. Like, I don't even think that's like a terrible argument. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, you could say for Golden State, but we'll save that for another day. We will. We'll we'll get to later in the pod, uh, the James Harden stuff. In fact, we'll get to it pretty soon, um, I believe. But yeah, in terms of Drew Holiday, looking at what the opponent... If I'm I'm, um, David Griffin, and it's like, look, what else are you going to get for him? You know, is Spencer Dinwiddie uh, uh, the 19th pick I'm going to say really going to give you anything of value. Are Denver really going to... Do you prefer Gary Harris over Spencer Dinwiddie or whatever? I still think the Nets, even as like their second package, have really good value if they want to give him up. Because, look, you're not paying Drew Holiday, David Griffin. You don't want to. You've alluded to yeah. that. And if that's the case, the ball isn't in your court anymore. The ball They've is now... lost leverage, and now they're trying to regain it. That's where you saw the yeah. false report about the Hawks and the number six pick. Then it came out like two hours later that that was a false report. Yeah, and Drew would Drew would want to compete at the latter latter point of his career, and he has a greater chance to compete on New Orleans than he does in Atlanta. Now, I like that fit. Now, and we have also seen a history of of New Orleans and Atlanta doing trades, so that might be the best package available. But Drew would probably say, "Look, I ain't going to re-sign with you guys." Exactly. And am I going to give up the sixth pick for one year of Drew Holiday? Uh, I know that the Hawks want to make the playoffs, but yeah, I still think that the Nets as a trade partner, are in a pretty decent position based off the, as we sort of alluded to, the the depth of assets that they do have. I would say this is, this is a trade scenario I've thought about is a three-team trade within, if this is if the Chris Paul trade falls through and it doesn't happen, which I'm not sure it's going to happen because with those type of contracts is a big type of commitment. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to Phoenix and maybe the Nets are able to get the number 10 pick out of Phoenix and they can send that over to New Orleans as you know one of the big trade chips if they don't have the interest in spencer and they want to kind of get their own guy because it's been talked about new orleans wants to get another lottery pick i'm not sure if that helps with jared allen because they there's been reports that they don't really have interest because of jackson hayes which i get and i don't get at the same time because at least jared allen could impact right now jackson hayes is still a year or two away from being a consistent nba center but i think you'd be able to find another team that would go after jared allen and maybe be able to find a trade asset that you know excites them and they can send it to orleans and maybe even if it's not spencer dinwiddie i mean maybe if it's not the number 10 pick from phoenix going to new orleans it's uh kelly Oubre or something like that because that's a name that's been kind of tossed around a lot if if new orleans doesn't like spencer dinwiddie but like you said it feels a lot like david griffin 
is trying to win another trade and everybody kind of knows his hand where last year yeah you were in the upper hand you had anthony davis the lakers wanted him and you didn't have to give him up until they gave you the deal you wanted same thing with the hawks you had the extra high pick so you're like okay we'll trade this one off they really want deandre hunter the leverage isn't quite there with this drew holiday thing and it's going to be interesting to see how it falls out and talking to Corey on the outlet like if you're New Orleans, you really want to trade him this offseason because at the deadline, you're just not getting the same no, value for a half year yeah. rental. Like you're right. I think you were right about that. You killed the Jack too when you said, you know, like he's not gonna resign with Atlanta. That's why a report dropped that Drew Hottie's looking for an extension around of three years and ninety million, pretty much yeah. signaling like, Yeah, I'm not signing back in Atlanta. So I think uh we'll see what happens with the Drew Holiday situation. I think it's not as in as in favor as New Orleans thinks. No, not at all. But let's get to uh, me getting flamed on Twitter. James Harden. <laughs> now, what I did say, we sort of touched on it there, was that if the Nets were to get James Harden, they would be the best big three of all time. Now, if you're looking objectively at the talent available, you have James Harden, who's won an MVP. You have Kevin Durant, who's won an MVP. You have Kyrie Irving, who has hit one of the best shots in the history of basketball. Those three players, talent alone, are better than KD, Clay, and Steph. Now, I'm not saying that the fit-wise, blah, 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 whatever. Those three players are like... Now, I've, I've put out in, in an article for the Hot Take Mar- Marathon a couple of years ago that Kyrie could win an MVP for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Didn't happen. Isn't going to happen. We've got KD now. I'm just saying he has MVP-level talent. He, yeah. It, it, and if you have three players that have MVP-level talent, then... When is you, the last time we've ever seen that? If ever. Like, I don't you know, have three guys school- that can lead the league in scoring. Yeah. Yeah, it's like insane. But the rumors, Nick, let's get onto them because Kendrick Perkins, Jay Williams, it was put out. Now, I believe a little bit more of Jay Williams and Kendrick Perkins, even though I know you said on the outlet that Kendrick Perkins alluded to the Kevin Durant thing. I don't know if, Jay, I don't know if Kevin Durant is speaking to, to Kendrick Perkins much anymore, to be honest. But no, the, no, I'm just saying the players talk. Like the players definitely talk more than like you. You know what I mean? There's still like rumblings going around as somebody that talked to James Harden. You're like, oh, yo, Kendrick Perkins. Like, yo, you heard James said this to you know, blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Great, Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> but the the it, before the Shams bomb was just like, oh, he's committed to to, to Houston. Don't know how much I totally buy it. Was there was also another bomb from somewhere else, sort of saying that sources tell me, and this is via Five Reasons Sports or Clutch NBA, wherever it was, that uh, James Harden has quietly communicated with people close to him that if the Rockets decide to blow it up, he already has a few teams in mind: the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, what do you think, Nick? They all honestly make sense. Like if, if that if I had to believe that was James Harden's real list, I would believe it because James Harden could go to Miami, just literally play offense. They'd play defense. He could go hide in the zone. Jimmy Butler yeah. would take all the tough shots. He doesn't really have to do that. Philly, obviously, the relationship with Daryl Morey, they have Joel Embiid. They'd probably ch- uh, trade Ben Simmons in the deal. But still, their offense pretty much sucked in the half court. James Harden instantly gives you offense alone as a single player. And then having that combo with Joel Embiid would be pretty crazy. But getting to the net side, which people care about – I mean, you look at it, he has a relationship with Kevin Durant. He wants to win a championship, and it's a situation where he feels like he probably can get along with those two players. And obviously, there's a relationship with Dan Tony too. If his true desires, and I've, I remember reading this in a, in a really good feature piece by Howard Beck last year at some point before, I think it was the start, during the preseason, and James Harden's like, look, I want to win a chip. I understand that that window is, is getting shorter. 
And, you know, obviously the Russell Westbrook thing, you know, the, obviously that's not happening. And if you're looking for more analysis on that, check out the outlet. There was a, uh, check it out on YouTube. It, it, it did some really good analysis there. But I just, I, if he's, or is his desire to just keep making money and being the, the king of Houston and, yep. you know, hang out with Travis Scott and, and check out the adult establishments, <laughs> which we know Katie and Karis enjoy too. So New York's got some good ones. But Nick, I just have to read the tweet that Kendrick Perkins put out. <laughs> he, he's quote tweeting his own thing on first take. Um, <laughs> now, stay with, stay with me here. Stay with me. Russ was born, but he wasn't born yesterday. And that's why he got his life jacket early because he knows the Titanic is sinking in H-Town. And this is why I strongly believe that it's some truth, all caps lock, behind James Harden being traded to Philly or the Nets. Three exclamation marks. Carry on three ellipses um he also had life jackets uh in uh capital letters l and j so <laughs> always love the, the the grammar and punctuation could you imagine if i had to edit the stuff for kendrick perkins uh, on wix for, for ogbasketball.com dear lord um that'd be fun you, probably, <laughs> no, probably... you don't have to edit it it wouldn't be fun for me you'd probably quit <laughs> uh probably yeah but, um, you know, I think there, like I said, I feel like there is some credence to it. You believe it a little bit. It's not like I expect James Harden to be on the Nets next week. I think it's less likely to happen during the offseason, unless Houston gets really toxic really fast. But that's not out of the realm of possibilities, considering James Harden has been ghosting the front office, the coaching staff, and ownership, not answering calls. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I feel like this type of trade is more likely next year. More likely, even at the deadline, you know, instead of this offseason. And the reason why I also give the Nets a, a, a slightly greater like slightly greater likelihood is that Tillman Frittata, again, not going to ever <laughs> say his name correctly on any podcast that I'm on, won't want to trade James Harden to the guy who used to work for him in Daryl Morey in Philadelphia. Yep. yep. Ego for a guy like a, a person who has a book called Shut Up and Listen or something. Mm -hmm. He ain't trading him to Philadelphia. He's not going to let Raphael Stone do that. Brooklyn? Fine. Yeah, the... There's nothing there where there's Especially a Especially the Nets can save him some money. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we know that the dude is is one of the, the poorest millionaires going around, a la the, the former president of the free world. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're kindred spirits, and, and I hope that they both suffer uh, continually going forward. I, I like the Rockets. I just don't like... Uh, I like Fatadas. I like them a lot more than the owner of the, the Houston Rockets, but... We'll move on, Nick. We'll get to some the, some names that I've got. And again, if you want some real in-depth analysis, the, the trade pod. So we might just touch on these names. Uh, yeah, and little. I actually put a James Harden trade proposal on the last outlet too, if you guys want to go check that out. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do yourself a favor. Um, you can tell me uh, if there are any names that you want to discuss further that we haven't already discussed. We have all, already discussed all these names. I just put the names that I think are realistic. Yep, um, same thing. Oladipo, Turner, Larry Nance, Robert Covington, PJ Tucker, Daniel House, uh, and Aaron Gordon. Any names stick out for you that you want to dive into a little I bit? I feel like we yeah. could revisit Victor Oladipo because his okay. value is dipping. His value it, it, is... Ah, <laughs> did you mean that? You didn't mean that because you didn't You didn't like give me any sort of like pun face when you were doing No, that. I, didn't, I didn't. So you just got it. So that, There we go. Right. But um, I think just given the recent events of him asking other teams he wants to play, obviously his agent. Asked the Nets, I don't think he asked the Nets, so he's not coming here. He didn't ask. Like he's like, "Hey, Sean, Kevin, can I play for you guys?" And then Miles he had Turner some interest like, in New York. I mean, if he's asking the Knicks, then I mean, he would come definitely on, come to Brooklyn. If you ask the Knicks, surely you're asking the Nets. <laughs> I mean, obviously that report came out and said it was false, but there's been a lot of question about 
his future in Indiana. So I feel like Victor Oladipo could be had for an extremely cheap price of maybe like Spencer Dinwiddie and Torian Prince or something like that. Or, you know, maybe you put in a first round pick. Maybe you don't have to use Spencer Dinwiddie. Maybe you can put two first and just give him that. I'm not sure how much you want to give up for Oladipo anyways, because I've never been a huge fan of his fit because I'm not sure who he is anymore in terms of the injury. But I would just say is like, as a cash out option of the Nets really wanted to get a quote unquote third star, Oladipo could be had for cheap. Ah, uh, I can have Torian Prince, Jeremiah Martin, Chris Shows, and Justin Anderson. You know, we're, we're keeping the pick. You know, the, his trade value certainly has dipped. And the, the funny thing I saw, you know, we've been chatting with Cable a little bit in, in the group chat. He His sister came out and sort of said, yeah. like, you know, when Miles Turner, the, it was rumored that Miles Turner was the one sort of like leaking this stuff. And it seemed to me that. One of those guys isn't going to be on the roster. It, it seems yep. to me that that is a lock. Now, whether Miles Turner is a... I don't necessarily see him as a Brooklyn Nets a, a target, even though I did put him down. I put him down because I think it's realistic that he will be traded somewhere. Probably more likely to be to an Atlantic Division contender in Boston or, or somewhere else. But, you know, Oladipo is certainly someone to target. You know, we talked about contract stuff with Drew Holiday. Victor Oladipo is going to be looking for an extension uh, of, of the same sort of ilk, if not more. Like, he wants to, to get paid paid. He's already gotten paid four years, 84, I think it was, from, um, I can't remember if it was OKC or Orlando who first gave it to him. But he, he got that money there. And, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, you know, I'm similar with you. I'm not the biggest Oladipo fan, but the man can sing. And if he's going to be doing some, like, some sweet promo videos and singing... The, some sweet sultry tunes at Barclays. You know, I, I think that he's going to provide... It's just that I didn't like what I see in Orlando, uh, saw in Orlando either. I don't know how healthy he is. Yeah. I think you want some consistency and some, you know, something... He's you, too much of a you, risk for a championship team. Yeah, you want to be like, okay, the, when there's a risk, like there's, there's, there's risk involved in any sort of trade backfiring on you. But and obviously, if you're giving up Toy and Prince and Justin Anderson, I was being dumb and facetious, obviously. But if you're giving up bugger all to get Victor Oladipo, I, I don't want to give up Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Levert. It, it's just not. If I'm Sean Marks, I wouldn't either. You can make an argument that you could project those players to be better than Victor Oladipo next year, depending on his yeah. injury. Exactly. So, I feel like where it could benefit the Nets, though, this would be a team that maybe they could obtain Victor Oladipo and use him in like a three-team trade because it's a name that kind of excites somebody. Like, you know, maybe New Orleans had interest or something like that. Maybe it makes it a little bit easier to get Drew Holiday. I'm not really sure. But I guess we could just mention quickly that I think Robert Covington, P.J. Tucker, and Daniel House are a lot more attainable given what's happened in Houston this offseason. We mentioned it. Yep. Uh, with new head coach uh, Steven Silas saying that they want to play more traditional. Jared Allen's attractive to them. And then obviously they're looking to cut co- co- cost. And the fact that, you know, everything is just toxic there. P.J. Tucker's irate about yep. his contract situation. Obviously, I don't think the Nets will be able to help him much in that area. But still, it just seems more likely that there's a trade there, especially if James Harden is unhappy and Russell Westbrook, if he stays there, is unhappy. It feels like the way to make a star happy is to make a trade. And the only real like trade asset they have is Robert Covington. Yeah, I, I really like Daniel House as well. Um, yeah. Despite his uh, misbehavior in Orlando, which I don't think got a lot of you know media attention, and I think that that could have been you know a, a symptom of the toxicity that has happened, in, or at least been revealed somewhat in Houston um, to an extent. Aaron Gordon, I'll bring up a little bit. We chat about Larry Nance already. But it's, there seems to be renewed interest from uh, Orlando in sort of saying that 
uh, we'll package him and 15 for a lottery pick. The Nets don't have that. But if they're looking to offload Aaron Gordon, maybe they're just looking to offload him in any sort of respect. And it's not just for a top 10 pick in, in that sort of regard. So maybe Aaron Gordon can be had on the cheap as well. Yeah, maybe it's something where the Nets trade 19, they can package 19 and 15 and move up. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because a young yep. team might just be like, hey, I don't have interest in Aaron Gordon. And just touching on Gordon is just like, they've been trying to trade him for the last two years. Everyone knows they have a ton of forwards, a ton of bigs in there, and they're trying to make room. And I like how I've kind of talked to you and Alec about, you know, this is a situation where the player just is, the idea of the player is actually better than who the player is on the court. Like there's a hope that if he came to the Nets, he'd be so great, but it kind of just reminds you of the Torian Prince situation where he'd probably get flashes and some hope, but he'd never consistently live to the hype in which we need him to be. But if you're getting him for Torian Prince in a first round pick, you pull the trigger. Big time indeed. Did you have any other names on your list? Uh, only names I think that you didn't mention that I had on Josh Richardson. I think that's a probable trade target because just given what Philly has to do, uh, Thad Young, I thought, is somebody that they possibly could uh, obtain. Yeah, um, John Collins, they've already been linked to. Not that I love the fit, but there was the link uh, at the trade deadline. And, yep. you know, obviously Atlanta needs to make some moves. Larry Nance, who you said already. Uh, Rudy Gay was somebody I considered. Like, if they wanted to add a forward, they never get anybody in free agency. You might be able to get him for Torian Prince and maybe not even a first. You might be able to get that for a second. Um, Harrison Barnes, I thought, was just another guy because there was a report that they really want to upgrade the power forward position. So I feel like yep. Barnes would be a guy that's attainable, you know, probably overpaid, definitely overpaid, but probably could fill the role for the, what the Nets need. Uh, we kind of mentioned Maxi Kleba a little bit, but I thought just given that Dallas has interest, that'd be somebody to consider. I just don't know what the move would look like with Dallas. Yeah, and I guess it leads us nicely into the free agent needs, Nick, and uh, I guess I'll start with the sort of report that you alluded to from from Keith Smith, and Keith is just switched on and um, a, a really good follow on Twitter and, and in terms of whatever he puts out there. You know, I, who knows if the Orlando bubble wouldn't have happened without Keith Smith, so thank you, Keith, for, for NBA basketball, I guess. He said uh, he gave three priorities to the Brooklyn Nets. One, re-sign Joe Harris. We discussed that. Two, find a power forward that can start. You alluded to that. Three, fill out the bench. Um, he's like, I don't think much happens at the draft with them. But you never know. We spoke about that on the draft pod with Alec. We went and dive deep. So make sure you listen to that one as well. My priorities with that, Nick, I had defense, starting power forward, shooting, playoff caliber depth. Yeah. Um, I went like kind of a different angle just in terms of what I had. It was just more so focused on specific players, just in okay. terms of adding an ideal 3 and D guard and an ideal 3 and D, you know, wing slash power forward, whatever it might be. I feel like just going in and what they need is like offensively, there's not much of a concern. It's about can we do we have a defender that we can throw at a, an opposing guard if they're hot, you know, at a Steph Curry, you know, even a Kemba Walker or somebody just if they're hot, we need to have somebody that we can throw at them and that can slow them down. Even if it's like, you know, Bradley Beal or Clay Thompson, just anything like that, a one or two guard. And right now you can't say you have much confidence in Kyrie Spencer and Karis Levert in terms of locking anybody down. There's potential no. with Karis and Dinwiddie, but like yeah. you're, you're not confident that they're going to hold down Steph Curry. And that's something that you really have to think about given your goals. And also, obviously, the wing defender, we've talked about it for what seems like two years. Even before the Nets got Kyrie and KD, this has been an issue. They need somebody who can defend a LeBron James, a Kawhi Leonard, a Giannis. Like, they just don't have that. That, in my eyes, is the biggest need. Obviously, you want to resign Joe Harris, but you need to get a body on the roster that is capable of defending those guys. Not lock them down, but just somebody that actually is going to make them work and not make their life super easy. 
For sure. Yeah. I I mean, we, we know what the... We've spoken at length about what the Nets need. And I guess it leads into to the names that we have, Nick. And I want to see if I beat you with my list of names. You I have, have more names for sure. So I already know. 24. How many you got? I didn't number it because I was like, you know what? Jack probably has plenty. I got, I think, like 12 or 14. Ah, you're a loser. Um, <laughs> in saying that, do we want to start off with the big name, the primary Serge Bark. Let's get into it. Firstly, let's get to a question that we got from uh, Indian Nets fan um, who was asking about Serge, the, the hot topic of the week for, for the Brooklyn Nets. He asked, I'd like to hear your comments on Serge Barker signing MLE, taxpayer MLE, um, to just correct that. Do you think this is that big of a pay cut just to play with a friend coming off one of his best seasons ever? And should we use the um, taxpayer MLE on him and be hard capped at $139 million, which makes re-signing Joe impossible barring a trade? I like the machinations of this question. I like the detail in it. Nick, what are your thoughts? Um, I believe they'd still be able to re-sign Joe Harris if they're hard capped um, because they have his, his uh, bird rights. But yeah. um, the thing with Serge Ibaka is it's a giant pay cut. Even the pay cut from the mid-level exception to the taxpayer mid-level exception is substantial. I believe it's 9.7 to 5.7, which is $4 million, And over the course of a couple seasons, you're looking at 8 to $12 million. So, like, yeah, that that is pretty substantial. And considering I think Serge was making around 20-something last year, It'd be a big pay cut. Like, there's no way around it, especially this one type year, of... though, Nick. When the, ec- the the economic stability is just like you the, the escrow, all that sort of stuff that you know a lot more about than I do. For one year to just play with uh, your one of your besties, and you know, Katie and I put out the comments, you know, a little while ago about like they're close, they're like brothers, and also there was the the photo I put out, which was uh, them at the Olympics, funnily enough, Serge with, with, for Spain and, and KD and, and, and James Harden um, for, for, for America. And, and I just think that, I think that there might be a, a higher likelihood because of the fact that also we got the news that Kevin Durant is apparently trying to bring him in. You know, he's actively recruiting him. And when you get that from him, it's just like, you know what? For a year, I, you know, I've made a lot of money in my career. $5 million is still a not chump's change. And I get to spend the, the season with one of my best friends. And we've got a real chance at a chip. And I can be you know, a real a, a real contributor towards that, if not maybe a, a missing link and piece that we've sort of touched on quite a bit. Man, I'm, I'm talking myself into it, Nick. I mean, there is an argument. If they're able to do it for a one-year deal for $5.7 million... I think you probably pull the trigger, obviously, if you're the Nets, but it just come, comes down to Serge. And if that's what he wants, if he wants to win another championship or he's happy with his money, because it's also at a point, too, where it's not like Serge Ibaka's a young guy. Like, he's a guy that there's a little bit of an injury risk. Like, in terms of he had a serious injury next season, there's no guarantee he'd get another contract. You know what I mean? Where if he signed three years, $30 million with a team, $30 million is not a bad cash out. You know, obviously, you could take the risk if you want to, but obviously, he's he signed two good contracts so far. So he has. there's a chance. Yeah. I'm not ruling it out completely. I just always thought it was unlikely. But given how everything has kind of gone in the opposite direction with the cap, I think it just kind of gets a little bit more likely every day. It does. It does, and and that's certainly something to consider. I I look. I you do it in a heartbeat because Serge and while Serge Ibaka isn't the be all and end all, and I know. Some people that we've chatted to quite a bit aren't necessarily like, you know, Serge Ibaka doesn't solve everything. You know, he's he's more of a center than he is a guy who can guard the, the wings and stuff. You know, he it makes you more likely there. to trade Jared Allen too. 
Yeah, definitely. So th- there's a lot of machinations behind the scenes. But Serge, just again, like I've said many and many a times, the defense and shooting, that's all, that's that's what matters. And Serge Ibaka does provide both of those things. So, you know, I'm warming to it. I'm certainly warming to it. And I'm reading the tea leaves and I like what they say, Nick. I like what they say. Now, what of my other... Do you want me to just go through all 23 names and see if people can keep up? Or, or do we want to go one at a time? What do we want to do with this? Go through your list and I'll tell you to stop. I'm probably going to tell you to stop on the first couple ones. But as you get later down the list, we, we're not going to stop. Now, okay, so my list is is incredibly extensive and in no order at all. So okay. probably t- this is going to be like iPod shuffle back in the day where it's just like, okay, I like this song. Let's stop here. First one, number two, Paul Millsap. Okay, we're going to stop. Hell <laughs> yeah. Paul Millsap is probably one of the most likely targets for the Nets. The real question, though, is how much of a need does Paul Millsap actually fill given where he's at in his career? Because we saw in the postseason, he couldn't defend Anthony Davis. Obviously, he attempted to do it. Doesn't have the athleticism. Three-point shot is somewhat inconsistent. It's not even the fact that it's inconsistent. He's just not super confident and aggressive with taking it. So it's like, are you just really getting a small ball five? I feel like Paul Millsap makes more sense, again, if you're trading Jared Allen. If not... I think Paul Millsap's, you know, defense is probably a little overrated at this point, just given where he's at. You know, he still has the basketball IQ, but he can't really get out on the perimeter anymore. Yeah, we've we spoke about him and and, and a lot of these names on the uh, outlet uh, for the free agency preview. So check that one out as well, because Corey's got some good takes. He provided really dumb stats, but you know, Corey he's doing his research. I'm going to respect him. I feel like I give Corey more crap off the podcast than when I'm on with him. Um, it's interesting, but. Uh, I yeah I, I think I've gotten lower on Paul Millsap the more that I've had time to stew and think on it because like you said aging big time they're 36 I think I remember when Corey said that I'm like man 36 now age is everything you know uh, Alec honestly veteran minimum almost makes more sense for him than taxpayer mid level exception I think someone is going to give him the taxpayer mid level exception but if you got him at vet minimum I'd be happier about that. There are other guys on this list in terms of wings that's, that stick out to me that I'm like, you know what? I'd rather give the taxpayer MLE for a, a Mo Harkless or a yeah. Langston Galloway or those sort of guys. We'll, we'll get to them in a little bit. So but the other names that I, I have, Nick, um, a name who you and Corey have given a lot of grief and criticism to, uh, I have to his hair, but not to his basketball ability, uh, my Aussie brethren, Aaron Baines. No, I think Aaron Baines makes a lot of sense if Jared Allen's traded. Again, like a yep. lot of this, anybody who only can play center only makes sense if you get rid of Jared Allen because, you know, we already are at this point where we expect DeAndre Jordan to be stuck here until Katie and Kyrie are gone. But Baines makes sense in the sense of that <laughs> he makes sense in the idea that he can hit threes. You know what I mean? He provides you a little bit something different than DeAndre. Doesn't give you that mobility, though, that I think that you'd prefer to have, but not terrible in terms of like, perimeter defense just because he's very good at his body positioning but not necessarily super ideal given his athleticism yeah we're an Aaron Baines stan account the Brooklyn <laughs> Buzz and I will say nothing but good things about Aaron Baines so I'm a fan For the price taxpayer MLE maybe I think he could probably get that you know he signed for around that um, in Phoenix so it's whether he wants to move again um, which you know I think moving is a is, if you're an unrestricted free agent Moving in today's climate uh, probably Sucks. is a lot harder and would just suck big time, yeah. Um, another name that we can probably touch on very, very slightly, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I mean, I don't 
DeMarcus Cousins doesn't really make sense to me. I, I just have a hard time seeing him be able to play defense. You know, the last time we saw him on the floor, he could barely move well. I don't think he was 100%. But having another ACL tear at his size defensively, I just don't think he's going to have it. And the Nets don't need an offensive center. Like, it just, you know, there's not going to be enough touches to go around, and I don't think that's the guy. If it's vet minimum and he's like your third backup and he's okay with that role, sure. But I wouldn't want to commit to playing DeMarcus Cousins rotation minutes this season. And I could look like an idiot for saying that, but I just don't have a ton of confidence given how his body looked last time we saw him on the floor. Yep, uh, nothing to add. Uh, how could you be Mo Harkless? <laughs> okay, Mo Harkless is a guy that, I think is a realistic target here. You know, the concern with Mo Harkless isn't the defense, obviously a very solid defender. It's a three point shot. That's super inconsistent. And it becomes the point where sometimes he's on the floor and the other team doesn't have to defend him. So that's what kind of scares you with him. But again, you have the taxpayer MLE for a reason. And does that matter if all four other guys on the floor can shoot it? Like if no, it's just one, I think it, it, it definitely still matters, but it matters to a lesser extent because it's still five guarding four. You know what I mean? You can put them in the corner, but if they're not defending him, it just makes it that much easier to give you weak side help. Yeah, and look, I think that in under Steve Nash and Mike Dan, I'm, I'm more optimistic about the three-point shooting in the right situation, and I feel like Brooklyn can be a somewhat ideal situation. I'm big on Mo Harkless. I think that he would be a, a great piece. And, you know, we, we spoke about wing defense, you know, in terms of it's not the, the greatest and um, class for that in terms of the free agency this year, but Mo Harkless is certainly a, a person who I think is attainable and the net should be targeting heavily if they aren't already. Uh, Tristan Thompson, Nick. Um, now nah, we're gonna keep away from the Kardashian curse, don't we? Yeah, we do. And also, just like it doesn't make a ton of sense again unless you trade Jared Allen. I think he's a, a solid fit if he's your bench big, but who knows? Hey, he's pro- proved it in the in the postseason. I'm, I I like, you know, I, I I also I think maybe I'd like him because of the the quote that he gave in a in a post game press. It's just like you know, you don't have to be a superstar, but you have to be a superstar in your role. Yeah. And I'm like. Damn, why did a guy that I'd have to like really dislike his personality and off the field, off the court antics um, provide some pretty fire uh, quote there? Um, a guy who probably is more vet minimum, Nick, has a history with KD and OKC, Andre Robeson or Robeson. I'm not sure how to which way it is. Yeah, I feel like it changed midway through his career. They're like, well, actually, yeah. everyone's <laughs> been pronouncing his name wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you see that a lot when like a player actually starts to get noticed. Well, sorry guys, like you've actually been saying my name wrong. But uh, Robeson, Robertson, whatever. Not not a huge fan of this one. I said to somebody on Twitter, they asked me about it. I just feel like you can't afford to waste a roster spot on somebody you're not sure is fully healthy to play NBA basketball. Like we saw him, I think he returned in the bubble, I'm not mistaken. He and he yep. played a little bit. Just didn't look just didn't look healthy. It's tough. And like to be honest, he's already a guy that has probably some of the worst offense in the NBA in terms of shooting. He did provide an impact with some of his off ball screens and stuff for OKC, but Dealing with the injuries that he's dealt with, it makes it hard to be the same level of defender that he once was. That's fair. And that's probably true. Now, I might be slightly higher on him for a vet minimum because just a guy to have on the roster and a guy to sort of just provide chemistry off the court and then play some defense because, you know, maybe you do throw some caution into the wind with some of those vet minimums. And it's just like, you know what? We know this guy can play some defense. Why not throw it at him? And, you know, if he does end up being healthy... You know, that vet minimum. You could go gonna... worse than him as your 15th man or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yep. if the Nets did sign him, I wouldn't be upset. I just not my ideal choice. That's fair. Now, a guy who might be out of the price range, um, at least it's been reported um, in, in that sort of sense, is, is Jake Crowder. Is, is he the ideal 
three and D wing that the Nets would love to have if they yep. could afford it. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he was close to the like would be close to the top of my list as a guy. He might even make more sense than Serge Ibaka to some extent, just yeah. his skill set and what he did. And the Nets wouldn't have to depend on his three point shooting to the same level that Miami did. And that just makes it a lot easier because that's what really hurt him is like He's not a great three-point shooter. He's mediocre at best three-point shooting-wise. But in the net system, they'd be clearly wide open all the time. And he could continue to focus on making some of those you know, hustle plays. And I like the toughness he'd provide the team, like a little physicality. But I, like you said, Jack, 5.7, probably not enough for him. No, I think he's going to get more. Um, but maybe if he if he gets three years, 17 or something. Um, and and you know, I, I just think that Miami will probably give him a, a large lump sum, which is probably what's been reported or he might want to go elsewhere who knows um a name who might be somewhat uh, excuse me somewhat gettable langston galloway not a big fan of galloway's game uh you know he's kind of leaning more towards a guard skill set and i okay. think like defensively i don't think he's like a lockdown level guy so i just feel like he's not providing enough upgrade anywhere that i'd probably want him if it was a vet minimum as like you know a backup guard sure but at that point maybe it's just like you know we'll keep one of the guys we had last year Yep, um, a name we both like, but probably won't be able to afford. Slash, he will probably be staying in his current situation. Slash, opting in. Jermichael Green. Jermichael Green would be great. I mean, I think his options for five million, if it I'm is. not mistaken. Yeah, five. So it'd be given that five. that point seven raise. Hey, but, it's uh, a big raise. It is. I mean, it really is. I mean, seven hundred thousand dollars is no joke. <sighs> But right. I'd be happy to have that. You know, you want to send it to the buzz, let us know. We'd be more than happy to upgrade. But... At OTG, Nick, um, I don't have a cash app, but I can get one. I'm on PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Jermichael Green would be a great fit. And I feel like the Clippers really screwed up in the postseason not playing him more because I just yeah. felt like he had a skill set that made sense for a lot of things that they had issues with. So Jermichael Green was actually a guy I advocated for Brooklyn a while ago when he was a restricted free agent back in the Memphis days. So I would have not would not mind him being on the roster. And I feel like you'd feel somewhat confident in him closing at your five. And he's probably can play minutes at the four, but I still like him more as a small ball five. I do as well. Next to KD as your four, five combination closing games. Damn, that'd be really, really nice. And I feel like he would have been more gettable if Doc Rivers had a stayed and they had stayed pat. And Jamal Green's like, you know what? Stuff this. If Doc Rivers has stayed and playing Montrose Harrell, 30 minutes a game and, you know, being an absolute civil on defense where I've proven to impact this team on the defensive side of the floor, then he, he might be frustrated with his role. Now, I think Ty Lue is a little bit smarter and a bit, bit more savvy. I think he's going to know he makes those adjustments and he probably realizes that Jermichael Green is just a more impactful player closing games than Montrose Harrell, Lou Williams, these sort of guys. So, and it just fits yeah. their versatility they want in LA. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that just makes so much more sense. And that's why it'd be great for the Nets. Who knows? Maybe Stevie B decides to cheap out. Um, Steve Barmer, for those playing along at home. I'm not good at nicknames. Um, let's go to number 11 on my list, Nick. Patrick Patterson. Before you jump in, I did say at one point during the season, like with Tyler Johnson, I wouldn't mind having Patrick Patterson as a vet minimum guy on the team. I remember it. You did. I think at that minimum, I don't think you mind it. He's a guy that you can't consistently count on, but maybe as like a backup four, it's not the end of the world. He's just... You know, he used to be a very good player in Toronto. Like, there was a point where he was a good three-point shooter, his defense, and he looked like he was on the rise. Something just happened injury-wise and confidence-wise, and he's just really fallen off. I think, like, sometimes you still see flashes of that game, but at that minimum, I think you could do worse. So I don't mind that. 
Uh, let's jump to Carmelo Anthony, Nick. Yes, let's do it. Let's give him the full taxpayer MLE, sign him for three seasons, and get the fans back into Barclays because we need to see Melo with the black and white on. He's from Syracuse. He's from Brooklyn or Jersey or whatever. Let's get Melo onto the Nets. I mean, Melo in terms makes sense if the Nets make a big trade and they have extra roster spots and they need bench scoring. Right now, they don't necessarily need that scoring. They need defense. Melo does not give you defense. He gives you probably solid rebounding and gives you okay scoring. Probably a little bit better in the bubble than he was during the regular season, so that kind of skewed some people's view. But Melo is not at the top of my list because he doesn't fill a need. Yeah, yeah, I think that like if we're looking at vet minimum guys, I think he's probably going to stay in Portland. You know, I think that they can offer him more of a role in playing time than maybe some of the other teams. Maybe not with Gary Trent and, and Trevor Ariza, but he would definitely uh, be a bench player everywhere else. And like, there's still a chance that he possibly could start in Portland. Like with the Nets, yeah. they I don't think they would. I mean, they definitely wouldn't start him. If they did, I'd be upset. I mean, Melo cooked us when he was playing for Houston uh, back in the day. James yeah. Harden and Chris. He was him and Chris Paul, and I'm just like, really. The only game that Carmelo Anthony plays good for the Houston Rockets has to be against the Nets. Yep. Um, that was a frustrating game recap. I remember that. Um, another guy who I think played for the Houston Rockets, but is currently in Orlando, James Ennis. Oh, James Ennis is an interesting guy. Solid defender, not really a lockdown guy. Three-point shot inconsistent, offense inconsistent. At vet minimum, not bad. He's like a guy that you don't want in your playoff rotation, but if he has to play playoff minutes, you're not super sick about it. You know, he played decent minutes, I want to say, for the Sixers when they went when they yeah. lost in the second round to the Raptors. That was a super stacked team with a ton of talent. The Nets are in that exact situation of something similar. James Ennis, not terrible at that minimum. How about Wes Matthews? Wesley Matthews. Yeah, I mean, that's a solid vet. He doesn't give you the lockdown guard. He kind of fills a need more so of maybe you don't have to resign uh, – Jamal Crawford, because you have the leadership and the veteran experience from Wesley Matthews. I don't know. His personality feels like it could rub some people the wrong way, though, so I'm not 100% sure on that. Defensively, he's just a little bit past his prime. Offensively, he you know fills the role of being able to shoot threes. Um, Wesley Matthews or Mo Harkless? Mo Harkless. Okay. I think just Mo Harkless is a better athlete, and at this point I have more confidence in him having a chance to really make it difficult for somebody to, you know, go off where I feel like Wesley Matthews is just like a solid, he's kind of like Garrett Temple, except better, you know, like a little bit better version of Garrett Temple defensively, like has the basketball IQ probably has better tools, but still not enough to really like lock down any of the big guys. And I feel Garrett Temple, probably a better teammate, better leader um, in the locker room, which is, you know, when you are paying for guys that are in the latter points of their career, mid thirties or whatever, you need to look at both um, and, and the value that they can provide on and off the court. Justin Holiday, Nick. Uh, that'd be a guy that's closer to the top of my list. So I would probably, I think I'd prefer just, mm, it's tough because the thing he's with more Justin of a Holliday, guard than a wing. Than yeah, that's the problem with him. He's, yeah. he's, he could defend threes, like, yeah. but he can't defend fours. And he's no. probably better off defending twos. So like, yeah, we- I was going to say, would you want him guarding Kawhi Leonard in a in a in a playoff no. final series? Yeah, Kawhi would muscle the shit out of him. Oh, like he God. he's just not a big dude. I think that's what hurts Justin Holiday. If Justin, if you have another move in terms of trades and adding that power forward or the wing defender that you need, Justin Holiday at the the taxpayer mid level exception makes a lot of sense because you get your guard defender off the bench and somebody who is probably close to capable of starting. I wouldn't call him an NBA starting player, but I think he's a really good bench player. 
yeah, Corey's a big fan of him, and I trust whatever he says about Pacers players. And so, yeah, I think there might be other teams that'll probably. Look I think someone that. he'll get more than probably the taxpayer MLE because I've heard interest from the non um, MLE like teams. Yeah, yeah, well, Dallas. I've heard interest from like the salary cap team, so they could just offer yeah. him a normal deal. Yep, yep. Um, a guy who I've been somewhat of a stand for, and I think I was a stand for preseason, Noah Vonley. Eh, I just think that he's a little bit too raw for me, like in terms of having an impact on a championship team. He's just kind of inconsistent. I mean, not terrible at like a vet min or something, but I'm just not sure if he's has like the consistency that you want on a championship team. Glenn Robinson. Mm, he was really a... I mean, he was a, a bust in Detroit, played pretty good in Golden State, and then what he ended up in Philadelphia, and that whole situation was kind of weird. So it's okay I, in Indiana as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That's when he was actually still good. It was Indiana, and yeah. people thought he was going to pop off. Then he signed the contract with Detroit and didn't really do anything. Yeah. And I remember talking to my guy, Laz Jackson. He was kind of hyping me up about Glenn Robinson for Detroit that year, and it turned out terrible, and we laugh about it. But, you know, I think vet minimum would be a possibility. don't think he's a great player, but he's not a bad player. Uh, the Morris brothers. Yeah, I think Markeith is more attainable. Marcus is probably going to get out of the Nets realm, I would assume. No guarantee, though. I wouldn't be surprised. But the question with those guys is also some of that, like, off-the-court stuff, some of their personality can rub people the wrong way, some dirty plays. Not sure if that's what the Nets want, or maybe that's what the Nets want. They want to add a little bit of evilness to the team. Yeah, that's, the Nets are already the villains, it seems, after doing, I don't know what to turn into that, but... If you lean into it, the Morris brothers or one of the Morris brothers is certainly um, where you can certainly enhance that villain nature. Just get uh, both. Got, <laughs> yeah, why not get both? If you're signing one, you're probably getting both anyway. They'll probably just like swap uniforms at halftime. Um, let's see. I've got five more names for you, Nick. Stay with me. Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, I like him. I like what he can do. Obviously, Miami didn't play him a ton. He's super skinny, but he can still kind of play the four. Like, yeah. He just has a great athleticism, and that kind of makes up for some of that stuff. He'd still get muscled by the likes of LeBron James. But, like, Derek Jones on Jason Tatum doesn't sound horrendous. You know, we didn't actually really see a lot of that, which was kind of surprising because Miami played him a lot during the regular season. But then in the postseason, didn't really get a ton of Derek Jones. So he's almost like he's in his mid-20s, I believe, but he still yeah. seems raw, like if yeah, that makes sense. Raw as hell, one of the best dunkers in the league, an incredible athlete. And, you know, we've talked about uh, quite a bit on the draft pod about the Nets sort of filling a need with athleticism, you know, whether it be defensively or, or offensively. Derek Jones certainly does that. Now let's get to, I'll, you know what, I'll throw both of these names at you. Two former Nets, Travion Graham and Damari Carroll. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one. I think, you know, I love Damari, but I'm pretty sure he's washed. You know, oh, come on, Nick. Watching him in, you know, San Antonio, that went terribly. Houston, he couldn't even really get any minutes. And then you said Trevion Graham was the other one. I think we've had enough of that experiment. So, <laughs> I mean, that minimum for either guy isn't the end of the world, but still, I don't think you want to bring them in because you know what you're getting. And Trevion Graham just is zero offense. And you can't really do much with zero offense sometimes, as good as the Nets will be. And, like, defensively, he was kind of a little overrated. You know what I mean? Like, he had good moments, but it's not like he ever truly was, like, such an amazing defender. He wasn't David Nawaba. And I feel like that was the hype for Trevion Graham, was to be like David Nawaba, and he wasn't. Hypothetically, if you could have just, whether it's for 40 games, 50 games, or 72 games, Damari Carroll or Wilson Chandler? Wilson Chandler. I think he has more left in his body. Okay. Last two names for you, Nick. Jeff Green? 
Yeah, I have Jeff Green on my list too. I think that'd be closer to the top because he gives you a true wing body. Like, still, the thing with Jeff Green, the idea of Jeff Green is always better than who Jeff Green actually is on the court. So that's Houston, 15 years, it feels like. Houston was probably the closest time it came to like him actually beating expectations because he had some really good moments to the point where he was an, almost an X factor for them, but he'd never be featured that much anywhere else in terms of an offense because he was essentially playing center, getting pick and roll touches. I don't mind it. I mean, he gives you a body to throw at Jeff at uh, LeBron or Kawhi, but like they're going to cook him. So like, he's just, he's kind of just like a backup defender to have. Yeah. I'd like Jeff Green and my last name, Anthony Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver. If you have Jamal Crawford, I don't think there's a point in Anthony Tolliver. You know what I mean? Like, if you need a veteran leadership, go with Tolliver. If not, don't sign him because he's got nothing in the tank. Fair enough. Um, surely you don't have any other names. To throw yeah, I do. I do. Oh, wow. I didn't cover it all. Wow. I need to be more thorough in my research next time. I got Kent Bazemore. Ah, okay. Kenty B. KB. Kenny B. A Brooklyn I net. think veteran minimum is probably likely. I don't think you'd have to go taxpayer Emily. His career is really just kind of falling off a cliff because I don't even know if you know what team you played for last. Portland? Yeah, Portland and Sacramento. Yep, there you go. You got yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um, do I win anything? In <laughs> for I just don't, in terms of like other guys, um, yeah, if you can get it for the vet minimum, absolutely. I'll throw uh, an either or at you. Wesley Matthews or Kent Bazemore? Whew, that's interesting. Bazemore gives you more of somebody who's closer to being a wing that could probably guard threes and occasionally guard fours. You know, I have more confidence him guarding up than I do Wesley Matthews, just given Wesley Matthews' age. Yeah. So I'd probably leave with Kent Bazemore because maybe there's some excitement where he could get back to the player he was in Atlanta. You know what I mean? I yep. got a Tory Craig. Uh, I don't think the Nets are going to be able to afford him. I think that he'll get a little bit more than the, the MLE, and I think that he will would prefer to stay in Denver or a team like Atlanta or Detroit or Charlotte who just need a guy who can just do a couple of things on the floor as a, a quality utility player. Um, and I don't totally believe his defense. I don't think he's that good of a defender. Yeah, I was thinking more veteran minimum. I wouldn't pay him much because his offense okay. is terrible. Yeah, like yeah. I would think him as a guy as that would be like a backup defender for you. Let me see. Oh, I have Avery Bradley on here too. He opts out of his player option. And that'd be a scenario where the Nets know they're going to get a power forward somewhere else. Avery Bradley fills that guard need. He's a he proved this season. He was a really good guard defender, and he can he did that starting in in quality lineups for the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, obviously, they won the championship without him, but if they had him, they would have had you know less minutes for a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who yeah, can focus the Denver his energy. series might have went quicker. Yeah, he can focus. That means Kyle Kuzma can focus his energy on dumb coronavirus conspiracies and whatever the hell he's talking about these days on Twitter. Uh, feel like I need to contact with the support about some of his stuff that he puts out there. He's just an absolute idiot. Dumb people make me sad, Nick. Now, any other names you want to throw at me? I'm trying to think if I missed anybody that I just thought of. I'm taking a Nick, quick... Nick, I gave you 24 names. All right, there can't be really... Like, we're going through, like, every single NBA free agent, it seems. Yeah. I think also, like, another thing to consider would just be the chances of some guys having partially guaranteed contracts. Or team options. Like, for example, Trevor Ariza getting cut seems like a realistic scenario. Portland wants to save some money. I think his contract's only like a quarter of it's guaranteed. So they'd save themselves like anywhere from 8 to $10 million. So that'd be a name to keep an eye on. Because that'd be a great fit. Obviously, he's older. You know, he'd give you that bench roll. But someone that I think the Nets would probably target. For sure. Um, before we do finish, I did have a final question 
not totally related to the free agency stuff, but it was a question that I did get when I did put out the tweet um, from uh, Manolo, Manolo, at Manolo's way. We'd love to hear your thoughts on if the Nets' chemistry will be the same fun underdog style if it were, like it was that year when Dealer was on the Nets and they made the sixth seed against the Sixers. I'd give anything for that back. Nick, whether we... Obviously, we don't know what it is with KD and stuff going forward. Final question for you um, via Manolo. Uh, no, uh, we're not going to get that feeling anymore. You know, we're not going to be underdogs anymore. You know, most of the games the Nets play next season are going to be favorites to win. And the games that they're not favorites, it's going to be a small spread. So the time of being an underdog is not going to be anymore. Now it's going to be more like, can this team live up to expectations? It's almost the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, I think that it's... It's something that, like, I, I, when I did respond to, to Manolo on Twitter, I'm like, look, we got bigger fish to fry now. You know, we're, we're in championship mode, and while it was fun and a lot of those episodes were, were great, uh, recapping on the, the games and, and the playoffs, and, you know, we got to, to watch one of those wins uh, together. But at this point, you know, we're going to be... It is, and we're going to be as anxiety-filled as ever because now there are real stakes on the line. And it, when there's something, you know, that the, the Nets fans have to look forward to and, and, and such, it's, it's, there's less, there's much more pressure. And, you know, the, the likes of Kyrie, KD, and, and, and the rest are going to have to thrive under it. And they have in the past in other situations. You know, D'Lo's going to be having some fun in probably a similar sort of situation in Minnesota. They'll probably be trying to recreate that in Minnesota, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, build on the come up in a similar way the Brooklyn Nets have, had, have done. But, you know, uh, we've got, we're playing some real stuff, you know. Championship habits, championship mentality. That's what it's all about. That's what Steve Nash is preaching, KD's preaching. So it's chips or bust. Yeah, no one's going to be surprised when that's winning a championship next year. So that's the thing. You know what I mean? You can only have that underdog mentality of, you know, majority doesn't believe in you. But there's enough belief in the Nets and what they can do to really have some success. But, Jack, obviously, free agency preview. We're probably going to talk about free agency a touch more before we get started. Maybe we can squeeze one more episode. If not... We'll definitely be recapping all the stuff, especially Joe Harris re-signing. And like Jack mentioned in the show a couple times, we dropped trade podcasts already. So we have the superstar trades, we have role player trades, we have fringe all-star trades, whatever it is, go find it. It's all on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.